I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... And I'm Handsome Drew. Yeah, it's fine. It was all wrong. It doesn't have to be true. I just have to say it with confidence. I learned that from presidents. Anyway. And this is not... And this is not... And this is not... This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to Not the Podcast You Deserve. This is episode a number that Kyle forgot to tell me before we started recording. Come and on. we're talking about Andor episodes 7, 8, and 9. Andor what? Oh, there nice. it is. That's your one. I, you get no more. Uh, I spent it early. Dang it. I'll hear no more out of you. I, I feel bad. I screwed us on the last one. I, I couldn't count correctly. So Drew Allen was right and I was wrong, which is a phrase you will not hear me say often on this podcast. <laughs> But one yeah, normally three, you edit around that. So sure, 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 sure. No, it's never happened to be clear. Uh, but episodes one through three had a very tying in thematic deal, and then four through six had another very thematic tie in. Basically, just where the episodes were based on. So figures seven, eight, nine would do the same. So we should break those down uh, as well instead of doing a seven through twelve later on. And I'm really glad we did that. Because there's some good stuff in these three episodes I'd like to talk to you guys about. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, listener, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's Andor. It's the Star Wars show that's on Disney+. Plus. If you didn't know that and you clicked on this podcast anyway, thank you very much for your continued support. And I hope that we, I don't know, convince you to watch Andor? Anyway, episodes 7, 8, and 9. Episode 10 is about to drop at the end of this podcast, so we'll be getting right on that afterwards. But Kyle will be very pleased to know that episode seven starts with the return to Bix. The return of Bix. <laughs> the return, Bix returns. It was great. It was so happy to see, but then so sad. But then mm-hmm. so sad. I yeah. mean, wow. Yeah. I don't think things, it, I know, again, it's a prequel, and we already know how the lead character of this No, oh, it's just a cool. We talked ends. about this. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the quill. This is the prequel to this, the sequel to episode three. Yep. Which was a prequel to episode four. Yep. Yes. So in this quill, we know how Andor reaches his demise. We know that Bix is no longer in the picture, nor are pretty much anybody else we've seen so far. So it's kind of like House of the Dragon. Like, you probably shouldn't get attached to these people because we know they're all dead by the time... We we we've picked up in the future movie, um, but I don't see this ending well for Bix, especially after her brain got fried, and that makes me sad. But I'm I'm hoping that someone can piece Bix back together. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, woof. That that scene in and of itself, and we'll get to it more later on. But I'll say when Doctor Gorst or whatever his name was just casually explained the death rattle of children. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was. That was a terrifying moment. He was like, yeah, so here's science, and it's going to scramble your brain, and it's uh, the screams of dying children. You're like, uh, I'm so glad they didn't play that sound out loud. Sure, it's- pass. Pass, yeah. no thank you. I want none of that. <laughs> thank you for that. No, uh, you. But jumping back quickly to episode seven, uh, we get back on Ferrix. Uh, Andor is back to get his mom and run away with the money that he has stolen and she is not having any of it. She's got her rebellious streak in her again. She's like scoping out the hotel where the Imperials have posted up. She's, you know, causing a ruckus all over town. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just 
kind of chalking it up to like, oh, well, she's just this kind of kooky old lady, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we just need to try to contain her a little bit, but uh, she is truly up to no good. Um, anything that struck you about episode seven Andor's return to Ferrix, his interaction with Bix, um, anything that you guys like, dislike, would want to talk about here? They did a really great job of showing Andor coming to the realization of what he's done and what it means with that conversation between him and the woman who kidnapped him when he was a child. Um, who he now sees as his mom. Uh, when he's like, hey, I got money. Let's get out of here. We can go anywhere you want. Say wherever you want to go. We can go there. I got that much money. We can do it. Let's go now. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, didn't you hear? Like, the rebellion started. Like, this is what I've been hoping for forever. And he's like, no, but I have the money. We can go anywhere. Let's go anywhere right. now. And she's like, no, this is like, this is a huge thing for her. And it was a really great way of showing, like, he didn't realize what he was getting into. He didn't buy what Skarsgård was telling him. I don't think that he could really hit the empire where it hurts and make a big difference and not a, a small dent. And so yeah. I think that they did a really good job of showing the impact that Andor had really no idea what he was, what kind of impact he was making when he did what he did. The two really cool things I, I thought were powerful in that scene. One, hearing the kidnapper um, who Cassa has imprinted on um, talk about <laughs> Having to avoid... <laughs> that that's how we're going to refer to her. She had to avoid the the square where... Like, was that her like uh, husband or lover or friend was hung? And it was like something that she could never go near. Like mm-hmm. she had to go a long way around, which like... One, adding a bunch of backstory and character to her... Um, character who's gotten very little screen time was great and then also to kind of get you a feel of the rebel alliance and who's going to be joining it and who's going to be inspired by it very cool very great way of communicating that through exposition but in a like a, a important impactful way and then her saying and, and sorry af- uh, drew i'll jump on that same scene i think it re- reflects what kyle was saying as well that uh the same moment that he's seeing his actions have effect and impact that he didn't see coming, it's intercut with the flashback of original Clem being hung yeah. by the Empire for, mm-hmm. you know, just making an impact that he didn't see coming, right? He was yeah. just trying to, like, keep people from making a, a, a ruckus and ended up paying the price for it. And you can see he's like, okay, well, I don't want to do that. So I've just got to work in the shadows and not be noticed. But while he's doing that, he's making way bigger, much more of an impact than original Clem ever did. That's a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you get her saying after, you know, Aldani is at the planet that has the eye. Okay. After that robbery, she has the power to walk through that square and, you know, that's her getting her agency back. She, you know, feels empowered and that, you know, it's it's really interesting that she gets that from uh, Cassian, who, or Andor. Uh, I don't know why I keep calling him by his first name, but it's interesting that he, he she gets that from him and he is wrestling with it and, and realizing it through her eyes. And that really powerful, second line that was really powerful was the, you can't stay and I can't go. I thought it was yeah. really beautiful of just laying it out like, listen, our storylines do not intersect anymore. And it's sad, but I'm sticking it out and I don't, you know, you don't have to, I don't want you to. 
go do your thing, which I thought was a really beautiful moment for the kidnapper. Yeah, two two lines out of that scene that jumped out at me. One was when she airbuds him by being like, you know, go away and don't come back. Airbuds <laughs> him. And I love that that joke landed on you late, but yeah, it's exactly what happened. Go away. Can't you see I don't want you anymore? Yeah, that's exactly what she just said. And was like, you know, stop looking for your sister, right? She's dead. It's like, oh yeah. man, really just piling it on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then that with the comic relief of the robot going, Can I speak now? And they're like, No. <laughs> <laughs> that robot slays me, dude. I love that. With episodes seven, eight, and nine, I'm thinking this is the best Star Wars TV show thus far. Live action at least. I haven't finished Clone Wars. I've only been trying to finish it for four years, so I will do it soon. Yeah, I was going to say, Clone Wars is pretty dang good. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you best live action. Um, other things that happen in this episode, there's just a lot of walking around. Uh, there's like lots of intense walking as people are like trying to be rebellious in the shadows uh, or Imperial or on a beach. There's just lots of walking and being in trouble for it, um, oh, wow, which I yeah. thought was kind of funny. Um, I do like that this story is starting to show you a little bit more about Mon Mothma and seeing the inner workings of her family and her story and how she's going to be more relevant and kind of the political subterfuge that she's doing behind the scenes. Uh, I like that we're seeing a little bit more of that. Um, I had the realization while I was watching these episodes specifically I think what's making this show so good is that it's going to sound stupid. It's a well-done show that just happens to take place in Star Wars. It's not yeah. it's not dependent on lightsabers and Skywalkers and the Force, which are all really fun things about Star Wars, and I, I like all of those things. But this, and I'll make this point again probably when we talk about episodes 8 and 9, but like the prison uh, scenes and episodes feel like it could be part of squid game and yeah. totally unrelated to star yeah. Wars. And it's just a very interesting storytelling and very interesting characters. And then you layer on top of that Imperial credits and hyperspace and star sure. maps. And I'm like, Oh wow. I'm just like having a, a nerd explosion in my heart. So I, I want to get to episodes eight and nine pretty quickly because I think those are great. Um, but to wrap up, I think what was seven, maybe it was part of eight. Why is Mon Mothma's husband such a d is All do the we time. <laughs> and we have an answer for that? Like is there something I missed or is we just like, they, oh this They this, seem to be implying sucks. that because they got married at fifteen. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's just it though. That's just like who you're stuck with now. They're like, sorry, sure. he was kinda cool as a teenager and he's a dick now. But you got no other choice. And it's like I mean, I married kind of young. Granted, I wasn't 15, but like, you know, don't give us all yeah, a bad give it name. Time. No, no, give it time. Um, and then the guy that she links up with, Mon Mothma, the uh, guy that she links up with, that's the money guy. Uh, um, he's totally going to stab her in the back, right? He's bad guy, right? I don't think so. I'm I'm here for him. He just seems kind of shady. And, uh, and I'll get that little finger vibe anytime somebody's kind of shady but has money. He he does kind of have a he's a quiet 
observer and just lets her kind of talk a bunch and tell but he doesn't really commit you know he has that one line of you know you may not like how against the empire i am but after that he kind of doesn't put forth anything that would make him vulnerable in the scenario which makes it seem like he could pull the rug right out from under at any point kyle i, I think you got something on you're on something there but I, I do like how the show sets up a bunch of storylines we have the mon mothma political agenda we have the andor I've made a huge bunch of money, so I'm going to go live on a beach and not buy into the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> yeah, got, Miami Beach on steroids. Yeah, you have yeah. the old lady who's like, I heard somebody did a robbery somewhere, so now I'm going to follow stormtroopers around and help out the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> um, I I like Miro's story, the the Empire Lieutenant. Um, I, I think that's really interesting what they're doing with her. I'm not sure if she's going to eventually be part of the Rebel Alliance and turn, or if she's going to double no down and be evil. I don't like Cyril's storyline. I'm, I think it's kind of boring. <laughs> he gets so beamed down by his mom that he's happy yeah. to go wow. to work and just serve justice. Yeah. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. That is the most relatable thing that's ever happened in a galaxy far, far away. It's just like a slightly overbearing mom that's just like going <laughs> to guilt trip you into stuff. I mean, there are some truths that surpass space and time. Uh, Did anybody catch her? Not name? my mom, to be clear. I'm not talking. Yeah. About, <laughs> I'm talking about other people's moms. Um, I will say this one thing about Cyril is that I like that these storylines right now are kind of showing a juxtaposition. That's my word. Nobody else can use it. Of him and Cassian both uh, being imprisoned by the Empire in some form or fashion. Uh, and or because he broke the law and uh, supposedly broke the law. He got arrested for something he didn't actually do. He just wrong sure. place, wrong time. And Cyril for trying to follow the rules as best he could. And, you know, the biggest supporter of the Empire, he feels like he's getting punished every which way. And, mm. you know, the scenes cut back and forth between him in this cubicle, you know, with a million other people all in a row just slaving away at this job, you know, all day, all night. And that's what you should just be grateful for what you have. And then you see Cassian in prison slaving away all day and all night. And you should just be grateful for that. You know, you're not dead. And they're both imprisoned by the empire in some form or fashion for two completely different reasons. But that's what the empire is all about is just keeping everybody in a controllable box. So there you go. Including on Narkina 5, which is yeah. the episode 8, where we, we pick up with Cassian having gone through the judicial system, which was also pretty brutal of the judge being like, I don't care what you have to say. Six years, take it up with the emperor. I was like, Shoot. I think she says it would be six months normally, but for you, for the now, it's six years. Like. Time out. Hang on. Let's, uh, let's peel yeah. back that real quick. How did this happen? How are we 12 times sentencing now? What's going on? Right. But it just shows because, the... because of the robbery, right? That that they said, you know, double oh. everybody's sentence and then increase all of the, like, it's immediately a class A felony for uh, any kind of anti-imperial crime. And oh, wow. Yeah. So that's what they were talking about in that big war room scene in, oh uh, okay yeah yeah. yeah yeah yeah. and that's why when he gets into the prison they're like you didn't hear they doubled everybody's time here like he doesn't know ah oh, that's what they're talking about oh okay 
And then he gets sent to the super triple max crematoria prison cell that he's never going to escape from. And it's it's 200 degrees Celsius in the daytime. And oh, wait, no, sorry. That's Chronicles of Riddick. Um, so I was like, wow, that sounds a lot like uh, Chronicles of Riddick. I missed that. <laughs> yeah. No, he goes to the Squid Game room, which <laughs> Crawford, yeah. you mentioned earlier, to go build triangles or spider feet. Gears. I don't know. Yeah, gears. Just general gears. And we stuff. don't know what I, these gears are for yet, right? I truly think that they're going to end up being like the gears on like ATSTs. They're going to be the oh, thing that well, moves. Go the... with the Death Star. Interesting. It could go. It could definitely be for the Death Star. I thought it'd be, you know, and it would be uh, even more of a slap in the face for Andor if he was helping build the Death Star, which he will then go blow up sure. uh, or get the plans to blow it up. Um, is this? You guys tell me if I'm reading too much into this, but I'm assuming we get introduced in Episode Eight, I believe, to Andy Circus character. Uh, yes, as the prison, not guard. He's just the longest. He's, he's like guy the floor there. manager. Yeah. And so this is the origin story of uh, Emperor Snoke, which is really exciting. I didn't ever think we were going to get that, but here we are. We get it. We got it. No, this is just Andy Serkis getting to play two different roles at the same time in the same universe, which is so cool. If he doesn't turn into Emperor Snoke, I've got lots of questions about why they did this. Out of all the actors in the world, why cast the guy who's already been a bad guy to be a quasi-bad guy? In his defense, he does a phenomenal job as a really angry floor manager that just is trying to get his 260 some odd days and punch his ticket and get out of there. He also did a really terrible job as a bad guy in a Star Wars movie. So this is maybe okay. his redemption. Right. Maybe this is what it needed. <laughs> this is maybe he maybe he wanted another shot at it, which I'm for. Well, it turns <laughs> out that he wasn't even truly a bad guy in that. He was just like kind of around. He didn't even matter at all. That's not his fault. It's poor writing. Yeah, he, he did the best with what he could, and it also is. his CGI was terrible. Are we talking about Snoke? Or are we talking about Andor? Because I'm so confused. Right, <laughs> I'm talking now. about Snoke. I'm talking about Snoke for sure. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Kyle to bring us back to Bix. I I will say before we jump back into the prison talk, there is one scene that happens in Episode Eight where Stellan Skarsgård meets with Forrest Whitaker. Uh, with oh Sonya, yeah, and that scene is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they eat that scene up. <laughs> they absolutely crush it. Uh, the the like witty like rebel banter of them being like oh I bet that job was you and they're like no I bet it was you and like back and forth because like you can't actually confess to any of your crimes but you can also kind of compliment people about it uh, you know kind of the wink wink nudge nudge we all know we did bad things but we can't say it out loud that was really funny I like that and I also love that they're still making Saw Gerrera just totally crazy yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, Stellan Scars are getting to insult his politics about basically being an anarchist, not actually a rebel. Uh, it was great. Did you guys have any other thoughts on it? It adds some good layers of gray to the good side. I feel like a lot of what we get in Andor is there are a lot more than just the blue lightsaber or the red lightsaber. There's a bunch of grays in between, you know, whether it's hiring people to go rob and kill people or the Cyril, who's a good, not stormtrooper, but like cop of some kind, space cop. Um, Saw Gerrera seems to be a good political or a good sided bad leader, like a bad guy on the good side fighting the Empire. 
He's gone crazy. He's just wants anarchy. And maybe that's it's reductive to say he's the he's a bad guy, but it's it's he's operating in a way more morally gray area than Mon Mothma. That was a cool scene between Skarsgård and Mothma when she was like, I can't believe you did this. And he's like, I can't believe you didn't want me to do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good to say, like, like you said, different layer different layers to how all in people were. And Skarsgård's yeah. like, this is going to take a lot of blood and a lot of explosions and a lot of a lot of time and a lot of tragedy. And my mm-hmm. mouth was like, I bet we can do this simpler or yeah. easier. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So something kind of what Drew said earlier, typically all of the other non-people related to Skywalkers in Star Wars movies were either there to warn you that your Tauntaun will never make it past the first marker <laughs> or was there to be like, my friend doesn't like you and I don't like you either. And then like get his arm chopped off. Yeah. And like, that's it. Or you're a bounty hunter and have no lines. So like, that's it. You're either like a bad guy who needs to die or you're there to warn somebody uh, like an open a gate. That's it. <laughs> and this is like, hey, look, there are billions of people that exist here and have lives and have opinions and matter. And here's, you know, the barkeepers and the uh, mechanics and the just random, I don't know, uh, historical monument collector. Uh, they they <laughs> all do stuff and they're very important and you get to hear their stories. And like you said, Drew, they all operate in the gray. They're not all just good force wielding people or bad Sith, you know, lightning fingers. They, right. they have <laughs> nuance to them and that's what makes the story so great. Mm-hmm. And what makes that scene so great between those Luthen and Saw, they both are in, but they don't know where the other person is. Or it's honestly more about what drives them. Saw yeah. hates the system and is fighting against the Empire. Luthen says he's a coward. He doesn't want to, you know, stand up or he's scared of the Empire. Mon Mothma just wants people to be kind, it seems like. Let's, let's segue back into kind of the prison dynamics. Would you, if you were put in prison setting table five, what personality would you be? Would you be the kill me immediately? <laughs> You'd yes. be the step I'm off the bed. The floor. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> my my right. competitive nature would take over, and I'd be like, guys, we can beat all these other teams. <laughs> I would, I would, I would get sucked into that game nah, so fam, hard. I ain't building the Death Star or a Tie Fighter or whatever. These people just end it. I love the idea of Crawford coming to his release date and he's like nah i'm about to be table one are you kidding I'm me so close to the record i'm, not gonna lose I'm my about streak. to get my gold watch i'm a company yeah. man <laughs> my cool moon shoes my, that's uh, right i'm about to get my moon sh- in fact they just released me and i'm like can i just become a prison guard here i don't want to leave <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's an interesting prison system and also terrifying to know that you are a cog and there's nothing you can do about it, and nobody cares, and nobody's looking for you, and nobody can find you, and you are just building Death Star cogs. Uh, that is horrifying. Almost as horrifying as the death cries of a child alien race. Wow. Uh, I did love the line that Andor has when he's quoting one of the other prisoners that's saying, like, he's right, you know, we're just we're cheaper than droids, and they don't have to care about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're easier to control. It's like, all right. I mean, 
that's exactly what you are. And the episode of nine is titled Nobody's Listening. And watching him try to recruit Andy Circus because nobody's listening. They do not care about you. I know yeah. that you have some kind of elevated status inside this prism system because you are the floor manager or whatever. Nobody cares about you. Yeah. Not up there, not down here. Like, And they're going to kill you. So you might as well come escape with me. And I loved the line at the end of that episode when he's like ignoring him, ignoring him. And then all of a sudden he just ends with, how many officers are on one floor? And he's like, never more than 12. And it just, and you're like, yes. <laughs> Cause the episode before episode eight, I guess he asked him like three times in the cell. And Andy Serkis is like, stop talking to me. Like yeah. just do your work. He asked him again. And he like turns over in his bed and like puts his little tray thing away, which I think that's actually really cool that the tray is like in the wall and they just pop <laughs> yeah. it out and that's with their food. Um, we need to invent that. That seems like a really great invention. Um, I will take that or a speed sort of speed or a speeder. I'll take that or a speeder at this point. Um, we'll but stick with lightsaber. So like Ooh, yeah. Um, he, I think I'd still take the speeder or the plate that goes into the wall and magically cleans itself and makes food. Um, it just seems like he'd save so much time with both of those, you know. Uh, that's neither here nor there, I guess. The, the food paste that has no taste unless you, like, win for the day. Yeah, I don't want that part of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was really cool. You'd see him continue to ask him, and he's like, move on. Put it out of your brain. Just do your work. Mm -hmm. Do your shifts and get out. And that was a really cool moment when you see that switch in episode nine when he's talking to the doctor. And the doctor's like, dude, none of us are getting out of here. Like, yeah. this, this guy made it out easy. After he euthanized someone right yeah. in front of their face. He's like, this guy got it easy. Yeah. He's going peacefully. Like the, the rest of us won't be so lucky. He's like, oh no, not good. But also great for the story. Yeah, they they set up that reveal with the you know this is a very regimented system. You work twelve hours. You sleep twelve hours. You work twelve hours. You don't talk. You line up. You do this. You hands behind your head, feet on the ground always. And then at one point, they're late. The the Prison guards are late and they don't know what's going on. And somebody's sign languaging, like prison sign language that they've come up with that apparently takes a long time. Something's wrong. They've killed all of a floor, but it's just rumors. And I loved the Andy Circus tries to quell it. Like he doesn't know what's going on, but he doesn't want rumors spreading around because once again, he's just trying to clock in and clock out till 261 more days. And then it starts unraveling and it feels like the anytime in a movie or a TV show, when someone says the line, ah, just got one shift left or, oh, this <laughs> oh, is yeah. my last mission or, yeah. oh, this is my last case. Like you, yeah. uh, like automatically your brain should go, well, he's definitely going to die. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when the old man says that line, it's like, oh, well, uh, poor sweet Nimick and you are going out together in a place <laughs> yeah. of glory. Uh, in these in these first eight episodes, uh, but then when Andy Circus was like, "I've got two hundred shifts left," or whatever, I was like, "Hmm, okay, yeah, that, this is uh, you've got a lot on the line." But they used that to show that it can break even someone who's very close to getting yeah. that the, yeah. the Empire the Empire didn't break him. Well, they did break him originally. He was he was the floor master or whatever. Right. He was keeping everybody in line. But when he heard the doc say. Hey, look, they killed an entire floor because 
we release somebody and then put them right back in jail and everybody mm-hmm. noticed it. So he killed them all. It's like I oh. love that this episode has so much like Shawshank vibes to it. One, yeah. he's taking his like bathroom break to go and try to saw a pipe sure, for some yeah. reason, uh, some kind of like electrical conduit. Uh, like that's the long term plan. He's got the like five year saw escape plan going. Right. And sure. then also walks out and goes, change of plans. Let's just jump them. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a yeah. totally different plan. I like that plan. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I like that plan. Uh, then it's like I know we've already signed up for season two, but if season two is just you still in there sawing away, like, <laughs> no problem. Um, I like a slow burn, but a little bit quicker would be great. But then also it's him inspiring hope into some prisoners that are like, yeah. don't have hope. Like hope will kill you in this place. Yeah. And Andy Circus is like that, right? Where he's like, you can't hope for stuff. You just have to clock in, do your job, and then you'll get out. That mm-hmm. that's the only hope you have is that like that counter on on the clock is is going down, and to watch him ha- break and then get hope from Andor, right? That's like I'm gonna get you out of here. Like we're gonna do this. Let's go. That was really fun. It gave me very much uh, Andy from Shawshank vibes. Yeah, and I thought when they had that reveal for Andy Circus's character that like they killed a whole floor because they were causing trouble. I thought that was going to be a turn to when Andy Serkis was going to actively start fighting Andor to stop him from trying to break out. Like, I thought that was going to be the flip and the the ele- elevated action. Um, so I liked it kind of turned on its head, and, like, they, they've turned, and now they've got Andy Serkis working with them. I also love that it shows the, the weakness of the Empire, again, is their inability to care about the rebels the prisoners they don't think they don't even see them as a threat they don't listen to them they just turn on their they just poke them with electric sticks and shock them and expect them to fall in line and there's nothing they can do about it and they are adapting they watch and they see the railings not electrified the and there's some other things I, i missed exactly what they were saying did you catch up anything else that they picked up on of what's not really scary they don't have to worry about yeah, the the elevator isn't electrified either. They don't wear the boots on that, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm. Uh, there's only ever two guards with two guns. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. But, uh, yeah, no, I, this is the second time that Andor has talked about the Empire's greatest weakness is that they don't care about you. They don't feel like they have to care about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how he's been able to steal from them in the past. He just walked in... And pretended like he was supposed to be there because they feel so impervious to outside threats. They're like, well, clearly no one can steal from us because look how huge we are. Look how big we are. And so if you just act that same way, you can do whatever you want. And uh, he's having that same like realization here, too, of like they f- they feel so protected by the rules they've set up that you can exploit that for your benefit. Before we get away from the prison, I do want to bring up. Having a Ulaf Olaf, what's the old man character on their table? Yeah, Ulaf or something like that. Yeah, having that character really upsets me. Just in general, <laughs> that personality of like, I know we have to carry him along, and I know he's good natured and a good old soul, and he doesn't—he's not going to do anybody wrong. But man, is it frustrating to see him get the doohickey wrong and flip it around and still not be able to like that upsets me any it it 
sent me to flashbacks of any teen project I've had to work on in school. <laughs> yes. Those, those are the uh, vibes I got. No, no, I can see that for sure. No, he just needs to be in his library uh, in the prison where he's just going <laughs> to like not not be put on parole because he's just going to kill himself in, in that parole apartment. Anyway, it's not Shawshank, it's Andor. Um, leaving the prison for a second, <laughs> the last thing I want to touch on is Cyril in episode nine. Uh, he has just... He gets so much weirder. Every time that he has like a, oh, all right, maybe you're a normal person moment, he follows it up with just the weirdest thing possible. Like his mom is berating him again. And out of nowhere, he just goes, you've been in my private box. I have ways of knowing. <laughs> it's like, dude, why are you so weird all the time? Just eat your cereal <laughs> with your blue milk. Why your private box? What the heck is in that? What? Like... <laughs> What are you into in your room, dude? God. Your mom and then is... he stalks uh, the chick. And yes. he's like, you gave me reason to live again. He's like, time out, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. It's like, dude, maybe stalking an ISB officer because you both have a weird obsessive love for the Empire is not like your smartest move. Uh, but also, she seemed like she was kind of into it for a second. I don't know. She's hard to read. But she was definitely flustered when she got back to the office. So, I don't know. He's the weirdest dude. Uh, <laughs> I I kind of like his character, but I also hate watching his character, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, yeah, I think that it is good for the story, but I don't necessarily feel good about watching it. Uh, any predictions for what you guys think? I know we all know a prison break is coming at some point, but what can we expect in episodes 10, 11, 12? I was going to ask you guys, uh, how do you think Andor breaks out of this prison? My bet is that he starts this huge rebellion. He he starts the jumping of the guards and the grabbing of the guns and basically is like, everybody, this way. And then he starts like, hands the gun off. He starts passing. you like, hey, this way, this way, this way. And then he just goes back to his little cubby and continues sawing a hole in the wall and climbs up through the ventilation system is how I think this is going to end for him. I bet he gets a pair of boots. And then flips the switch on and like kills everybody else and like walks out. Oh dang. That would be hard. I uh I don't think it's gonna be that bad, but I think he is gonna be faced with a choice of like, do I escape with me or do I like put my life on the line to help everybody else also escape? Um I think episode one, Cassian doesn't even like hesitate on leaving. I think now he hesitates and he might even go back and save like his his little team. Oh yeah. Okay, that's good. I'd be down for a little three episode snow piercer. You know, they're getting through the train of a station and every room is a different trap. They have to work together and people are dying along the way. And at the end we turns out Andy Circus is the mastermind of the whole prison mm. and he's been running it and he's been grooming Andor to take over for cuz he's stepping down from running the train. I really lost my analogy here. Um, either that or Palpatine's back, so <laughs> yeah. somehow that factors in. They somehow find a dagger that leads them back to a broken Death Star that has a Omicron Delta evil triangle pyramid. I think that's the part where Nick Cage is going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> uh, do you think Bix gets fixed? Man, I hope so, but, you know, what do you The fact that she didn't show up in Rogue One does not bode well for her character. Yeah. 
That's what I'll say. I think Mon Mothma's gonna get uh, ratted out by her husband at some point, and then she's gonna have to go on the run. I think her ungrateful daughter is also gonna join the Empire and be her like biggest opponent. Uh, nice. I don't think there's any redemption for that relationship here. Her daughter's the worst too. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, she sucks so bad. Um. And oh, hey, I had another question for you. Do you guys think anybody found that big uh, briefcase full of money that Andor just left on top of the shower? Yeah. Wow. Some really lucky dude just hanging out at the beach. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, or if you hated it, and you just want to tell us what you didn't like about it, maybe it's my voice, maybe it's Drew's look. <laughs> I don't know. Um, reach out to us on Twitter at NTPYD Podcast or email us at NTPYD Podcast at gmail.com and tell us what you think is going to happen on the next couple episodes of Andor. We'll review it right here in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening. This is not the podcast you deserve. <laughs>